What you see is what you get. Hello, my name is Pastor Chris Miller, and I am your host on the PC Speaking Podcast, where we are equipping Christians for life. Hello, and welcome to episode number 98 of the PC Speaking Podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening. Certainly appreciate you. I pray for you often, uh, well, daily, really. Um, we are breaking from our series on relationships this week. I was away last week, had somebody fill in for me um, here at the church on Sunday. So um, I'm kind of pulling something out from the past today. I can't remember. I may have put this out as a podcast episode at one point, but we are asking a question today. Why church? Um, I'm, I am and always have been a big advocate of the local church. It's a vehicle that God uses to do all kinds of work in local communities all around the world, including yours. And the Bible speaks a multitude of times about uh, the fact that we are subject to the authority placed in our lives, whether it be uh, church pastors, elders, local government, or beyond. Sometimes we may struggle with that, but the Bible is quite clear that we are subject to authority in Part of that is our local church. In the book of Philippians, Paul provides us with uh, much insight into different kinds of relationships and situations. And a church, and a, a lot of the New Testament is written to local churches scattered um, throughout Asia. And a church is an assembly of believers. It's not a building or a place or a time, even though we, we often use that kind of terminology. We say, oh, I'm going to go to church or go over to the church, speaking of the building, but the church itself is biblically defined as actually the group of believers who are part of that church. Um, you know, and today with technology, those those lines are kind of blurring a little bit uh, and because some church is happening online as well. Um, Anyway, we're working on how to define that and work all that out as we go forward. I'm not going to sort that all out today. But today we are asking and giving hopefully a helpful answer to the question, why church? And we are going to be reading from the book of Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And this is what they say. This is Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God for every reminder of you and every prayer of mine for you all. I have always made requests with joy. Due to your fellowship and the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonments and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all fellow partakers of my grace. For God is my witness, how I long after you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve things that are excellent so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The book of Philippians is 
It's a great book. I remember in seminary, we memorized uh, chapter four, one of the first things we did our first year. And as time has gone by, I look more back on that and realize uh, why we did that. But as a book, it helps us better understand our day-to-day interactions with each other, with the world around us, with our fellow church members, churchgoers. Throughout the book of Philippians, joy is a common theme. Um, And as a bit of a side note, Paul, the author, strangely enough, is writing from a prison cell. And that should answer uh, any questions about the relationship between joy and circumstances. There isn't one. Circumstances don't dictate joy. Good lesson in that. However, when you put people under pressure, who they really are tends to come to the surface. Some people step up in difficult situations. They try to help out others. um, Well, sometimes they tend to make things worse, but it's difficult for us to hide who we really are when we are under pressure. In Paul's case, while he is sitting in prison cell, um, what comes to the surface in him is a love for the local church and joy. Throughout history, And today as well, the popularity of religion and spirituality in general, in particular, we're obviously talking about Christianity, but the popularity comes and goes. It goes up and down, back and forth, pendulum swings, however you like to look at it. And there are many people in the world today who don't like it. It's very divisive, kind of right down the middle. I see that in my interactions on social media, the comments I get, all that stuff. It's very, very divisive. Um, A lot of people don't like Christianity. Um, And in some cases, let's be honest about it, not all of that dislike is unfounded. A lot of it is, a lot of it's misunderstanding, but some of it is legitimate and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that. Actually, it's probably quite good to do so. Churches have always had problems. Churches have always struggled with living God's way. That's nothing new, um, nor is it going to go away. Uh, Muhammad Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ, which, you know, that may be true. But I think what he doesn't understand is that Jesus, Christians, and church are a package deal. If you love one, you have to love all three. They're inseparable. Churches are made up of imperfect people. You know, of course, he likes Jesus. He's perfect. But... Churches are full of imperfect people. They are loved by God and saved by his grace, but church itself, assembling ourselves together, is often disjointed, dysfunctional, and challenging, uh, to say the least. In my, uh, well, so many years of pastoral ministry, I've found that to be true. There are great times of joy in church, and there are also uh, many, many struggles in church. I've heard so many different perceptions of church, And even the church I pastor specifically, I've heard different perceptions of it. Um, I've talked to different people in the community at different times and heard some some pretty odd impressions that were way off base. Who knows how they picked them up, but they did. Church has its problems. We all have work to do, but many of us, uh, well, many people also have a misguided perception of what church is and what it's about. So why do, and maybe even why should, people who become Christians become part of a church? It's a legitimate question. Why don't we just go about our business and do things independently, operate on our own? 
read your Bible, do your own thing, whatever. It seems like it would be a lot easier than trying to get together and work with a bunch of people in a church. And some believers attempt to function independently of a church. They live their lives like that. At times, it may seem like churches tends to overly complicate things. So in the podcast this week, we're asking and also answering the question, why church? Why did God put this institution of the local church in place? You find them all over the world. Why does it matter? What's it for? And manifests itself in different ways, in different places, in different culturals, cultures, sorry. Some might answer, well, churches for fellowship or kids programs or something like that. I and mean, a lot of cultural answers in, to that question. But what if we get rid of those things? The uh, you know Sunday school programs, kids programs, um, I don't know, the, the busy stuff that we sometimes do in church that isn't really uh, necessary. What is church for once we get past all of those uh, trappings, I guess you could call them. Not that they're bad, but a lot of them aren't necessary. People view church in many different ways. But God put this uh, institution of local church in place for you and for me, but probably not for the reasons we tend to think. Why are we part of a church? Why should we be part of a church? What does church do for us? What do we do for church? Why does it even exist? God has created the institution of the local church, which I happened to mention before. A lot of the letters in the New Testament are written to different churches, but he's created church to provide you and me with some help as we live life as a Christian. The answer to the question, why church are found within church? The first one of those answers to the question, why church, is that church provides you and me with identity. Verse one from our scripture again says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. The first answer to the question, why church, is it gives you an identity. Paul writes to all the saints. I once had a seminary professor tell a class of uh, guys who would one day potentially become pastors. I was part of that class. You're a saint. You just need to start acting like it. And I thought that was funny at the time, but it's actually true. All believers are saints. The word saint is translated from a word that means holy ones or those who have been set apart. And, you know, understand in spite of the joke about acting like saints, it's not a word or term that's used in reference to behavior. It's not used in reference to accomplishments or anything like that. It's a word that identifies you by what has been done for you by relationship. If you know Jesus is your savior, you have been set apart by God as a saint or a holy one, not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. We don't achieve sainthood by doing good things, but God has set his people apart as saints. And saint is a term of the position in which we have been placed by God. Now, the world doesn't have a lot of interest in that, but we recognize that identity in the context of church. So that's one of the reasons we might ask an answer to the question why church is it provides us with 
identity. And let's be frank about it. If our identity as a saint was based on behavior, we'd be called a lot of things, but none of which would be a saint. Some saints are nice. Some saints are not so nice. Some saints do a lot of good things. Other saints, well, not so much. The term sinner and saint are terms of position more so than they are of behavior. Saints are saved people. Sinners are lost people. Both groups do both good and evil. The difference is found in relationship with Jesus. It's a term of position, not behavior. How do we know that? Well, Paul tells us in verse one, he writes to all the saints in Christ Jesus. Saints are people who are holy and set apart because of their relationship with Jesus. Now, do you have that relationship? Because if you don't, you're not a saint. If you don't have the relationship with Jesus, you don't have the identity, you don't have church. Remember, Jesus, church, and Christians are a package deal. And and even for a lot of Christians, we like part of the package, but not necessarily the whole package. Church people, even though we're identified as saints, we're still flawed, we still have problems, we're often broken. We will not be perfect until we are in heaven with Jesus. Church is full of problems, there's struggles, um, often divisions, and all kinds of things happen in church. I'm very blessed right now in our church. Things are going extremely well. I'm super happy. Um, We've definitely faced some difficult times in the past, and we've managed to work our way through those things, and we are just blessed right now, which is a great thing. But, you know, there'll be another time coming in the future where we have more problems and struggles we have to work through. Um, church is full of problems and people with a sordid past, including myself. And in spite of all the shortcomings and defects of church people, Paul still identifies saved church people as saints. People set apart as holy by God's grace and his mercy. Of course, we're all in different places in regards to our walk with God. We're all going through the lifelong process of sanctification. You know, church is full of, well, a church should be full of old believers, new believers, um, both spiritually and physically and everything in between. But um, we're all going through the process of sanctification. We're different places along that path of sanctification. And that's where spiritual growth happens. Spiritual growth is, it's a core value for uh, Christians. When we think of growth, we likely think of gain. We uh, think of it as gaining knowledge and gaining wisdom, gaining experience. And when we think of physical growth, we think of gaining size, which is, those are all true and they're all important, but growth also falls under the larger concept of transformation. And the Bible talks about transformation in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Philippians uh, 1.6, Paul writes this. He says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. As saints are being transformed, there are uh, greater things at work than our own efforts and desires and ego um, that grow and change us. 
in the verse we just read makes it clear that God is at work in us and he certainly plans to finish what he starts. And the word perfect means God is going to make it complete. That's what uh, perfect means in scripture is complete. He's gonna finish what he starts. In verse nine, Paul writes, and this I pray that your love may abound yet more in more in knowledge and all discernment. And that shows us that part of what God is working on in our lives is helping us become people who love other people more. And the problem with that is, is that it doesn't happen in an echo chamber. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen when we function as individuals. It happens within our church community, which leads us to the next question to, or the next answer to the question, why church? And that is transformation. Change and growth um, is something that happens within church context, at least for the most part. And it can probably happen outside of that, but it's not gonna happen near as uh, much as it does within a church context. And change and growth, as we think about that, isn't always about adding or gaining things. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 kind of points us in that direction. It says, therefore, since we are encompassed with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Spiritual growth, uh, sometimes it involves removing things, getting rid of extra dead weight that we really don't need to carry with us. He says, lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily besets us. And there's interesting thing about that sin and weight is he... <laughs> mentions both sin and weight. So that also shows us that not only do we get sin out of our lives, but there may be some things in our life that is not necessarily sinful, but it's extra weight that we don't need or that's gonna slow us down as we run the race. So part of growth or transformation, sanctification, often means removing things or jettisoning things that, just don't belong, that we don't need, that are going to slow us down. And I'm sure uh, just about anybody listening to this would recognize Michelangelo's uh, David statue. It's an incredible work of art. And it is uh, Michelangelo's likeness of the Bible character David. And it was carved over the course of three years from a single block of marble. It's also interesting that the block of marble Michelangelo used, it was actually a reject. It had been um, rejected by a couple of other sculptures previously before Michelangelo got a hold of it. And one quote from Michelangelo says, the sculpture's already complete within the marble block. Before I start my work, it's already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. So he's saying that, you know, the, the statue is already there. I just get rid of what's not part of the statue. And he says, he just removes the parts that don't belong. And like a hammer and chisel, God uses church to remove parts that don't belong, jettison those things that may be extra weight, maybe sin, things that we just need to get rid of that are gonna slow us down as we live our lives for Jesus. So why church? 
transformation. Transformation gets rid of things in our life, helps us get rid of things in our life that we just don't need. You know, some of those may be sinful, some of them aren't necessarily sinful, but they may be just things that are extra dead weight that aren't really doing us any good. And if you are part of a church and you are never offended, never get your toes stepped on by sermons, things like that, if you're never challenged in some way by your church, I don't, you know, I'd wonder if it's really a church. If all you ever hear is what you want to hear, you're not having those pieces chipped away that are the dead weight. And one of the things that's been apparent for a long time, and, you know, this, this is definitely a problem in some churches, is people often love and support their church until it reveals a blind spot in their faith, or it's contrary to their personal narrative of how things work, or it goes against how they might feel about something. Then they become angry and upset, and instead of seeing themselves as needing to change, they see church or or maybe someone in it as the problem. And I know in the past, being the guy who stands up front and talks in church, sometimes people see me as the problem. But many saints, uh, we worship our own comfort, we worship our own preference, we uh, worship our own pride as an idol, and we place those things above everything else. And then when that happens, the saints who do that, um, they go to great lengths to protect that idol by twisting scripture, taking it out of context, fighting against authority, uh, claiming God to be on their side. And actually God's not on anyone's side. He's, he's not a respecter of person. God is on his own side and we should seek to be on his side. And it's become apparent that it's time for some saints to grow up and do that, get on God's side instead of their own. So why church? Church brings to light idols and errors Uh, possibly even heresy in our belief. Um, And that's not easy to swallow. That's not easy to take when that happens. We can either allow God to work with his hammer and chisel, or we can choose to fight against him and run away. As hard as that sounds, we should welcome that. We should welcome that hammer and that chisel that's going to shape us, get rid of the dead weight, the sin that's going to make us into more of who God wants us to be. As James says, count it all joy when things are difficult because God's working on you. And I'm obviously paraphrasing that, but that's the gist of it. And let's be honest, we don't, we don't necessarily like everyone God has placed with us in church. We don't like everything about our church. I don't think it would be possible to like everything about a church. But our church, God can use it the people in it, the teaching, whatever it might be as a hammer and chisel to help transform us into who he wants us to be. He removes the parts that don't belong and he uses church to do that. For Michelangelo, a block of marble, couldn't get up and walk away, but people can. My wife and I had this conversation um, about marriage. If we had quit on our marriage when things become difficult. And there have certainly been tough times in our marriage. But if we quit, we wouldn't be enjoying the marriage we have now. And 
It really does get better the longer we're married. The longer we stick it out, the longer we work on it, the better and better it gets. And we are both very different people than we were years ago. God uses the people around us to remove the parts that don't belong, to sanctify us, to help us grow. That's part of sanctification. That's part of church. To experience the benefits of transformation, we have to endure the hammer and the chisel God uses to remove those parts. We have to we we have to endure that, and God often uses uh, our church as that hammer and chisel. Remain faithful even when you're uncomfortable. You know, live God's way, do the things He says, stay away from the gossip and all that kind of stuff that often people get involved in when they're upset. Remain faithful even when you are uncomfortable. And people say all the time, my life is hard, my marriage is hard, or I don't like the way things are right now. I think sometimes our our pastime is complaining. Of course it's hard. Life is hard. Hammer and chisel are hard. They're sharp. They are uncomfortable. But if you don't endure and remain faithful, you won't be changed. You won't be transformed. You won't grow. You will waste the trial. And, you know, frankly, some people never do grow. They spend their life dodging the hammer and chisel, um, trying to get rid of it or change it, trying to see it as someone else's problem, whatever it might be. They cling to the idol of personal comfort, claiming church should be giving me what I want. Church should be doing what I want. Like everywhere else I go in my consumer culture, worshiping the idols of consumerism and comfort produce the fruit of weakness, lack of depth, complaining, rebellion, gossip, anger, backbiting, all of that kind of stuff. But Paul describes what should happen in verse 11. He says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Through all of the friction and irritation and hammering and chiseling and and being annoyed with each other, God produces the fruit of righteousness. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control is that's what's happening in you. The things you find difficult with (laughs) the people in church um, are the same things that God is going to use to transform you into more of who he wants you to be. They're they're the same things God's going to use to chisel away the, the dead weight, the sin, things like that, to remove the parts that don't belong. God doesn't just work individually. Sometimes he works on an entire church and removes parts that don't belong, and that's a good thing. Sometimes he'll pare things back and move people to different places, which leads me to our final answer for the question today, why church? So far, we have identity transformation, and finally, we have purpose. Church makes us part of something larger than ourselves. It gives us purpose. Verse five of our passage says, due to your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, the fellowship that believers share is not because they're great people. Um, It's more than like a social club or a social connection. It's more than just lunch on Sunday. It's more than hanging out, having a chat. It's sharing in our common reconciliation to right relationship with God. It is sharing in being a saint. In our world, 
things are out of place. Things are broken. There's poverty, death, rebellion. There's evil all over the place. But for those identified as saints, it's not the world, but our relationship with God that informs what we do and what we say. Church gives us purpose. We glorify God together, showing his purpose in our life. We live the gospel in word and deed. We learn and live that purpose through church. Local church is the vehicle God uses to reach the world. Wherever you're at in your community, God will use your church to reach your community if you're willing to do that. But we're often so wrapped up in the world, the news, the conspiracy theories, all that garbage that we forget our purpose of serving God, the purpose God has for us. Church is the solution. Be part of the solution, not the problem. Live the gospel in word and deed. Live knowing that you are identified as a saint, as part of a group of saints who have been set apart by God. And we work better when we work together, even though it's often challenging, difficult, you know, there's certainly struggles involved with that, but we're going to be better and do better when we are part of a local church, a group of people being transformed and entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take some time and pray, Lord, please use my flaws, my failures, and the ones of those around me to transform me into more of who you want me to be. Now go to church. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let me know what you think in the comments. Please consider subscribing and sharing this with someone who might find it helpful. 